This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, February 6, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. At the halfway point in the Supreme Court's term, can anything meaningful be read into the court's decisions or the cases it has agreed to hear thus far? Ilya Shapiro, Senior Fellow in Constitutional Studies at the Cato Institute, comments. Uh, well, we're about halfway through chronologically. The, uh, the docket is filled out. Uh, there are now 79 cases on the docket. Uh, 75 of them are cert grants, and there's two that are appellate jurisdiction, two that are original. Uh, a few of those will probably be kicked uh, forward to the next term, so we'll likely end up with around 75 opinions, uh, which is roughly 10 more than last year. So the, cur- the court might have uh, hurt, heard some of the criticism about uh, being lazy and uh, needing to do more work. Um, there have been 16 opinions issued after argument so far. Um, not surprisingly, 10 of them uh, were unanimous. The court likes to get out of the way the uh, so-called easy cases early on. Uh, only three 5-4 splits so far. I'll, I'll briefly go into those. Uh, the first one is uh, Herring versus United States. Um, this is a Fourth Amendment case that uh, Uh, decided that the exclusionary rule doesn't necessarily apply to a search um, that's incident to an arrest based on an erroneous warrant when the information about that warrant was provided uh, negligently by other law enforcement uh, officials. So here, the, the Chief Justice, in his opinion, essentially said that to trigger the exclusionary rule, police conduct has to be sufficiently deliberate that exclusion can meaningfully deter it and sufficiently culpable that such deterrence is worth the price paid by the justice system. So, even though in this case the arrest was um, not subject to, uh, not, not, not following a, a, a reasonable uh, warrant, the exclusionary rule is not the property remedy to apply because that penalizes society, uh, whereas there should be other types of remedies that are taken. It's an interesting um, further uh, gloss on not precisely the Fourth Amendment, but the way that the exclusionary rule is treated, which is uh, somewhat of a, a controversial aspect, certainly worldwide. Uh, then there's a Sixth Amendment case, Oregon versus ICE. Uh, in that case, the court, in a rather unlikely split, you have uh, not the usual suspects that you tend to see in 5-4 splits. Um, that case determined that a trial judge has the discretion to decide whether a convicted um, criminal defendant um, serves consecutive or concurrent sentences. So a jury does not have to find uh, that question. And finally, uh, in a tobacco regulation case, Altria versus Good, the court decided that uh, um, plaintiffs who are suing for uh, fraudulent advertising and labeling and so forth um, of light cigarettes that misled them and they have all sorts of injuries, that they're allowed to go along with those suits under state law even though there's a federal regulatory system. One other case I'll mention that wasn't 5-4 was the Weapons versus Whales case, and that was a, uh, not surprisingly, a reversal of the Ninth Circuit, um, which had decided that the Navy has to stop its sonar testing uh, in the Pacific Ocean because of environmental concerns, and the the court reversed that, finding that uh, the public interest in national security trumped the particular very technical uh, environmental provisions there. Um, Looking ahead, there are uh, three opinions uh, that are that have already been argued. The cases that have already been argued that uh, I'll be looking at. Wyeth versus Levine is the biggest business case of the year. Uh, that has to do with uh, again a regulatory preemption case of pharmaceutical 
um, regulation, whether someone can still sue pharmaceutical companies for certain injuries that their drug has caused, even though the FDA has approved its use in these circumstances, uh, that'll probably be decided 5-4, probably in favor of the pharmaceutical company. Um, FCC versus Fox, that's the fleeting obscenity case where um, certain celebrities swore on TV and Fox didn't beep it out in time, and it's it's actually it's the the facts of the case are sort of interesting. It'll be decided on a very technical, very dry administrative procedure act um, um, provision, um, and this uh, kind of quixotic um, First Amendment. Nobody's sure whether it's a religion or a speech or public accommodation um, uh, case. Pleasant Grove City, Utah versus Summum, where uh, you might recall we discussed uh, half a year ago and before the the term started. Um, that a, um, uh, th- this kind of unusual religious sect wanted to put up its monument along with the existing Ten Commandments monument that was in a public park and whether they, the town has to accept this because they've accepted this other monument. Um, other cases that have yet to be argued, there's um, a, a Hawaiian case about race-based government and whether the state of Hawaii has to accommodate this particular group uh, politically before it can transfer certain state lands. Uh, we filed a brief in that. Uh, Citizens United, uh, which is uh, a, about a movie um, that deals with Hillary Clinton's record and whether that movie should be properly covered by campaign finance rules, we filed a brief in that case, arguing again that this type of regulation infringes the First Amendment. Um, an interesting voting rights case uh, out of Austin, Texas, uh, a, a public utility uh, this is, falls into one of the many jurisdictions around the country that even to change a polling location has to get the permission of the federal Department of Justice um, and whether that is uh, infringes on, on, on federalism. Um, Al-Mari, which is a, a national security case, the issue there is whether the, um, the authorization for the use of military force after 9-11 authorizes and the Constitution allows the seizure and indefinite military detention of a person lawfully in the United States, but who has been determined um, based on the executive's assertion to be uh, uh, an enemy combatant affiliated with al-Qaeda and so forth, but not criminally charged, whether he can still be held. That's the big national security case of the year. And finally, a case that was recently granted, an affirmative action case out of New Haven, Connecticut, where um, in a promotion test that was administered to the firefighters of New Haven, um, uh, there were no blacks that, that scored sufficiently high to be uh, worthy of promotion, and, and, and subsequently the city council refused to certify this test. Uh, 19 white and one Hispanic firemen uh, have sued the city, saying that you know, that's, they're, they're judging them based on race, and they're not getting these promotions based on this uh, objectively neutral test. To what extent is the court serving as arbiter of the Constitution versus just doing its job as a court and business cases versus these uh, other issues? As we discussed the last time I, I spoke about this, um, there are a lot more technical cases this year, fewer hot-button culture war type issues. Um, given the, the paucity of cases in general, it's, it's hard to um, gauge broad trends uh, it could be just a function of, of what came down the pike this year. But in general, I think um, 
Chief Justice Roberts is trying to manage the docket in a way that has more kind of nibble around the edges, solving uh, more of the, the business cases that are worth uh, a lot of money and certainly affect the, the private bar, but don't necessarily make the front pages. Ilya Shapiro is a senior fellow in constitutional studies at the Cato Institute and editor of the Cato Institute's Supreme Court Review. You can read more of his work at cato.org.